0: Hello, this is Melissa, and it is the 26th of February, 2023. And today's Redux is from January 31, 2008. The show was two parts, two hours. My daddy is my mummy. She's my older sister, too. I'm a perfect clone from her thigh bone. All hail the science guru. New Hells from Stem Cells. And this was, a, a again, a two-part that Alan did for We the People Radio Network. Because of the length of it, I, I wanted to cut it down, and I ended up actually deciding to do kind of best of the two hours, so that it's going to come in at about 50 minutes, plus any little commentary here. And I'm joined with Weston. We wanted to cover a few things that were specific to some of the things that Alan covered, kind of updates, and then things that were left out in the cut, in the edit, we wanted to bring to your attention in case you want to go back to the archives and listen to the whole two hours.
1: So on February 2nd, we posted a a purpose-made people excerpt, My Daddy's My Mommy, which actually comes from the same audio as this Redux. And it was a short little excerpt where we covered the how the uh, sperm can be made from a female's thigh bone, and they were saying at the time at least you know according to one of the people who was trying to patent it in, in an article that Alan was reading that basically they were hoping to give you know homosexual couples this is what they were claiming that the the opportunity to, you know to reproduce themselves without you know having to have another person come in and be the biological parent donate sperm whatever. So they could just get the, the sperm directly from the woman's bone marrow, and they could add a concoction of chemicals to it to, you know, meld it into a sperm. And they also said that a similar sort of thing—this and this is back in 2008. I was reading this. A similar sort of thing that could be done with men. Is, you know, sperm. They could they could make eggs from men in this way. You know. They could, have, you know, theoretically, just have a, a male, have a you know, one man, just create egg, egg from a sperm, and then you know, have another man fertilize it and just put in a surrogate mother, and then the you know, homosexual couple would have a child. That's the idea, that they were pushing at the time.
0: I was just looking at a. a- to see if anything had ever been done with that technology, and I did not find that it had gone further. I simply can't find anything else about that. That was from 2007. But what I did find were several things from 2016 and even more recently, I think a couple of years ago, where fertility specialists have found a way for women to have babies without men. Again, it's the same grabber headline as from 2007. This involves a cocktail of chemicals acting as an artificial sperm to trick a human egg into forming an embryo. So there are a, a few of these things on the go. And then the other thing that I was looking at, I, I remember that there was a story. There was a story that came out just last week that said sperm donor who used fake names to father up to 60 children is exposed after parents at an LGBTQI community event realize their kids all looked the same. Um, that would be their children all look the same. <laughs> but yeah. uh, when, as soon as I saw that headline last week, I, I thought, oh, Alan covered that story, you know, maybe four years ago, three, four, five years ago. Um, and it is a different story, but it's a very similar situation. Again, that event from a few years ago was at some kind of an LGBTQ thing, and they were just sitting around saying, our children look an awful lot alike. Uh, so as I kept going through the stories, I found one where a man, evidently it is unregulated sperm donors uh, work all over the world, and there was a man in the UK who claimed that he had fathered 800 children so far. He's going for a record. He wants a thousand. There was a a woman who had a a son through a in vitro process, and the, her husband's sperm was viable, her egg was not, and so they used the egg from what she described from a twenty-something ballerina. And now she's faced with the dilemma: um, How does she share this information with her son? Because she wants, she doesn't want him to think that she's not his real mother. And I was thinking, well, you know, she isn't his biological mother. And so, what you have is this is where the bioethicists come in. You have all of these dilemmas, these problems, the created problems, and so they the what popped into my mind is the solution can only be one thing, and that's, you know, nobody gets to have a baby that is outside of a lab. They all have to be made in a lab.
1: Don't forget as well that the infertility is still increasing. And including, including after, you know, vaccination as well, you know, among, you know, the set, I suspect, it's not just well At this point, it's pretty well proven that it lowers fertility, the vaccines, including the COVID vaccines. So there's been a big drop after that. And birth rates, you know, plummeting. Yeah. So again, you have, you have mass infertility. Well, how are you going to solve this problem? Well, you need science to come in and start, you know, creating all these artificial eggs and sperms and, and then, and then, of course, there's the issue of if you have all these artificial eggs and sperms, you know, then you'll have you know, the wrong parents you know raising the wrong, not their real biological child, and yeah, so it basically just comes down to okay, how do we organize all of this? how do we you know keep all this under control you know you got to have a lab
0: yeah, you might want to mention uh, the recent story in China that. The
1: wrong embryo. Yeah, there's a recent story in China where they implanted the wrong embryo in a mother, and the father, actually, you know, you know, said, "Hey, I really, really need to know who the biological, you know, parents are, are because, you know, that way, you know, if they get in an accident or, or a child comes down with some sort of problem, I, you know, they can have their family history or whatever." And, and the, the hospital responded and said, "Well, you need to be not." You need to be open, more open-minded, and not be so you know obsessed with you know being with you know having a the biology of the child. You know, just accept whatever whatever you're given. I guess you know, regardless of their biology or their DNA.
0: Yeah. So we, I we were discussing this uh, a few minutes ago, and Weston said, "Well." And ancestor worship is so important, but I, you know, I guess in the new China, you're not supposed to be that worried about your biological ties. That was that's the new thing. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, like I've like I've always heard, and you had that, you know, Disney movie Mulan, and it's always been at least in popular culture, has always been known, strongly emphasized that Chinese really care about their ancestors a lot. But I guess not anymore, not in the new China.
0: There was a lot of good things that we. Ended up that I ended up cutting out of the talk this week. But, you know, again, the idea with the redex is to bring you timely things uh, to hopefully to whet your appetite so that you will want to go into the archives. You'll want to listen to, you know, the whole show here from 2008 but one of the stories, one of the things that a caller wanted to talk about was the experimentation that had been done in Uganda. And I think I'll let Weston talk a little bit more about that because he had stumbled upon you know, an interesting uh, little factoid after listening to that bit.
1: So the caller had brought up Maurice Templesman as one of the men involved in the diamond trade who, you know, what they were plundering, they're basically they're plundering the diamonds from Africa and, you know, hiring soldiers and so on, you know, clean child soldiers to, you know, fight each other. And then they're smuggling diamonds out of the country. And then, you know, there's just disputes over which diamonds are clean, which diamonds are actually called blood diamonds. And, you know, it's all very tragic and horrible that they would do this. And, you know, Alan had brought up a documentary that He had watched where you know that you know he one of the uh executives from one of these countries or one of the they would they you know he asked they told him you know that these these African the the the, the businessman said these Africans are just sitting on the land not doing anything with it so of course you we know we're gonna, we're gonna, we're, gonna make, we're gonna make use of this land we're gonna you know, take it over and, and you know kick them off it and it's all very nonchalant they don't there's no real remorse over this and this, this is horrible in fact. I went and watched a video on the Sierra, the Civil War in Sierra Leone, which you know, Alan had mentioned. It wasn't the same documentary that he was talking about. But they actually talked about how the RUF, at the time, and I thought this was very interesting, the Revolutionary Army, at the time during, the, during that Civil War that was you know replacing the old government, that they were fighting for democracy. And they were doing all this, and they had all these, they amputating all these people's limbs, including limbs of children, and... You know, they had child soldiers and everything, but it was all for democracy, and they didn't even call them soldiers. They called them freedom fighters. And so this is, uh, you know, the same sort of stuff that we get, you know, when we go to war and say Iraq or Afghanistan or what have you. Or now, of course, when we're going to, we're technically in a proxy war against Russia you know, via Ukraine, you know, sending them all their supplies for the war and training their troops and so on. The same sort of thing, because we're fighting for their, you know, their independence and so on. You know, it's the same sort of justification. You know, always it's it's all everywhere, nowhere where you look. So I thought that was a little interesting observation. But another interesting thing I found. Oh, like,
0: before you go to the other interesting thing that you found, um, I, I that was another bit that I I cut out was Alan replayed that song, Un- the Universal Soldier or Universal Soldier, and mm-hmm. we had just used that recently in full, so. I left that out, but it was just funny that you made that comment there because throughout this whole two-hour talk, the idea of mercenary soldiers and how mercenary soldiers are used for agendas and how they are culpable, they're responsible for making that choice. And Ellen even went into a really interesting thing on the creation of... Tribes and how the UN wanted to create with young men a tribal system within the so called freedom fighter or warrior that would mean that they would feel connected to one another, even if one was Chinese, one was African American. It didn't matter that the connection was their tribe was that they were freedom fighters.
1: And that was by Desmond Morris, I think, was one of the zoologists that worked on that uh, project. I know Ellen has mentioned before. I actually haven't read that one yet. And I don't even have a copy of that, but I, maybe one day. You know, I've got one long list of books I need to read. But anyways, <laughs> so another interesting thing I found was about Maurice man, Well, if, while, while looking into Maurice Templesman, was that there was another? There's another fellow that was involved in, in the plundering of, the I think, in specifically the Belgian Congo and, and Democratic Republic of Congo, the diamonds from there, and also the assassination of, of Patrice Lumumba. His name is Atine Davinon, uh, and he he's actually a member of the board of directors of uh, Gilead Sciences, which is that biotechnology company which made the remdesivir that uh, Fauci uh, promotes so heavily.
0: Evidently, he has... I thought that was a really good find, too, Weston. But evidently, he has been on the... as a a director on their board for 30 years. And other um, past directors included Donald Rumsfeld. And I I had seen that one covered by some alternative media. But I had not seen the George Shultz connection. And George Shultz was a secretary of state. Uh, You had people... the director what they who they called the NAFTA architect was Carla Hills, and uh again long time director for Gilead. Gilead was also involved in the Tamil flu scare,
1: yeah, so definitely some very interesting connections you think these people plundering Africa are just over in in Africa. You know, not really. You know, we're not really they don't really have anything to do with us in the West, but the West is the people leading the West are absolutely still very colonialist in a sense. You know, in a sense of resources, definitely, just as they were in Cecil Rhodes' time when they decided that they would need all their, take over all the resources of the world.
0: Finally, um, before we uh, close and let you go on with listening to Alan, uh, one of the things that I ended up cutting, the caller said, I. I Hello, Alan, I had a question for you. I was wondering if you thought they still had the whole alien agenda, if that was still on the table for them. Because I've noticed that they've had some big sightings in Texas and just a lot of news play coming from the mainstream news. They talk about it and put experts on, and I don't know if they're just trying to put some fluff out there or actually having some trial balloons. Now, again, this was 2008, and we have had... A few things. I mean, well, first of all, the CIA released their entire collection of UFO-related documents, and that was um, just a little over two years ago now. And you always have to look at, you know, who you think, you know, kind of the talking heads for the establishment, whichever side they claim to be on. And Tucker Carlson has been... Uh, seemingly fascinated with UFOs For a couple of years now So that was kind of interesting But then there was also the the recent story Of shooting down the balloons
1: There was a general who of course you know, Said that uh, they couldn't rule out The possibility that it was extraterrestrials So again, even the fact that they're even bringing it up And they even came out with a new term They're no longer calling them unidentified flying objects They're calling them unidentified aerial phenomenon so they're they're basically sort of trying to revive this uh, ufology type or this interest in, in the UFOs, you know, because they really had an explosion back in the nineteen seventies, as Alan covers in this talk. And so now they're sort of trying to get a, another round of it, I guess, of uh, you know just a uh, you know massive uh, you know psyop type thing they're doing.
0: What really struck me though was Alan's answer to that caller. And so I, j- I thought I would just read you a good chunk of it because it ties in you know, I mentioned not too long ago that that Alan seemed to cover the new age quite a lot when he first started speaking, but he said, "I know that they have always that they always try to start floating them again when it comes near some major event and because of all the stuff they hyped up to do with the Phoenix lights, and since the big game is at Phoenix this year. They'll probably float a lot of craft across, probably Area 51, no doubt, where they make them, and float them across the crowds just to terrify the public or whatever. However, to be honest with you, the UFO phenomena kind of peaked in the mid-70s, early 80s. That's when they had massive movements of people who were into ufology as a form of religion, I was amazed myself to watch a documentary, a movie actually, on it where you saw thousands of people coming from all over the world and going to these special places that they created for the ufologist to go, wearing all their badges and their gear and little UFO badges so on and buying paraphernalia to do with UFOs. That phase seems to have sputtered out a bit as the new age. See, they don't do one thing at a time. They were trying the ufology idea to fool the public and they were also using the New Age movement as well as a form of taking over the minds of people. I think personally the New Age has been more successful where they've created alternate realities for the public, getting them ready for the ultimate alternate reality, which is all to be one inside a computer type of generated system. And I thought, you know, well, Alan was always nailing it—very prescient and versed in what was coming and how it was going to be presented to us. But that now is, you know, the the UFO thing seemed to really peak. Even maybe before the '70s, you had all the the movies about it, and we're meeting the aliens, and what you know. Then you had the. The last, the kind of final last push of it with the Steven Spielberg movies, but it, Independence Day, yeah. yeah, Independence Day. But it, it, uh, it really does seem that through entertainment and through the new age where anything is possible, anything is possible in new age thinking that what they have created are people who are now really ready to go inside the metaverse, inside their alternate universe, their alternate realities
1: And and I spotted an article just a couple of days ago where they were already saying that children were already being abused in the metaverse So, you know, they've already got their uh, bullying and, and, and cyberbullying and so on already problems already popping up with the virtual reality type stuff they have now, so you can imagine what's going to be in store for us in the future That's just another reason not to go on it, especially not children. Children shouldn't be allowed on the internet even yeah. <laughs> Really, these days Especially
0: so we will let you listen to the talk now. And I just encourage you to go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Go click on the little button that says audio archive. And there you will see all of the different categories of talks. These are talks that Alan put out himself and interviews that he did. And there are thousands of talks there, but you will find this one under the link that leads to We the People Radio Network. And you will find it January 31, 2008. We'll supply those links on the front page and listen to the full two hours when you have time. It's worth it, but here's a little taste of that. Thank you.
2: Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting the Matrix. It is January the 31st, 2008. I ask newcomers as always to look into cutting to the matrix.com and you can go through many, many talks I've given over the years on the past. you got to understand the past to understand how we got to where we are and where we're going and who plan it all, the big foundations and the big rich men of the earth who plan the future always because power never gives itself out voluntarily Sometimes it gives the illusion of sharing itself but it comes with massive conditions and it never really does share itself with people it's not only knowledge is power although knowledge is very very important that's why you're given a minuscule amount of it but they also don't see why they being elite after all uh, the top people the end product of evolution why they should share uh, their vision of the world and all that it has to offer them with you so look into the website and, and download as much as possible and go into Alan Watt sentient, sentinel.eu where you can download transcripts in the various tongues of Europe I, I have to laugh at how major items are presented to the public in tabloid fashion as they used to say and the, the, the press was within the press the tabloids were brought out initially to give the ordinary person his news. And the tabloids had a lot of fiction mixed in with sports and sex and little scandals because they thought that's what the little man is interested in. And you'd get these amazing stories that really affected everyone but mixed in with the surrealistic stuff surrounding it. And if you look into the major newspapers and even the websites that the newspapers have put up, It's the same technique that's being used where major news is given, surrounded by weirdo-type ads and little trivia stories surrounding them. And that leaves you thinking that what I've just told you is not very important. That's how it's meant to be presented, with surrealism. Nothing really becomes real anymore. One day, I'm sure, if the order all through lottoes, and certain tickets you should turn yourself in for annihilation it will be surrounded the list will be surrounded with little little ads about Hollywood stars and their their ups and downs and and romances and their breakups and that's how it will be presented and no doubt it will work pretty well with the trained public but I I was just thinking about all of the steps that we do go through to do with the big gender bending that had nothing to do with anyone's rights regardless of those who think they won them. The gender-bending idea came out in the 1700s and the 1800s through the revolutionary-type parties. Well-documented, because they, they looked at all conflicts in the world, these particular people, and they thought that they also have to end the male and female problem. And they had big debates about Adam and Eve. They actually used Adam and Eve as a prototype of, of the gender problem and he said the only unification that could be of, of peace and happiness would be literal unification in a sort of hermaphroditic type figure and you'll find that if you go into the, the, the histories of the revolutionary parties which were all Freemasonic they all had their Freemasonic lodges where they met and discussed these particular problems and the most radical of them did promote this kind of hermaphroditic type of society uh, and and especially the radical feminist ones that they had in the 1800s the Saint Simons for instance, check into their histories and you'll find that they wanted to create uh, a female goddess in fact, that could reproduce without the aid of males they even went so far as to set up uh, uh, an organisation that set parties off into India looking to try to find the ultimate perfect female who would be the prototype which brings me to this item. This it's a realistic newspaper, tabloid fashion, and it's from it's from the uh, I think it's from the. When it's seen now, there's so much junk on their on their site. The Daily Mail. The Daily Mail is is um, is wonderful for junk type stuff. The SES used to use it when they're doing raids in Britain because the Daily Mail is associated with uh, government propaganda, as most of them are, of course, under the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And this one here, was from the 31st January today, 2008. And the headline is, Death of the Father. What a surprise, eh? British scientists discover how we turn women's bone marrow into sperm. This is about the fourth or fifth article I've read over the last few weeks on this as they gradually uh, get it through our heads, through a, a form of osmosis and repetition. This is by Fiona McCrae. And it says, it's got a guy feeding a baby, of course, because this is politically correct. And it says, um, The new science means the biological role of the father is under threat. British scientists are ready to turn female bone marrow into sperm, cutting men out of the process of creating life. The breakthrough paves the way for lesbian couples to have children that are biologically their own. And this is meant to upset certain segments of society. And it probably will, all segments of society, because they don't give a darn about lesbians or anybody else for that matter. It's nothing to do with that. They always use excuses. Because it's a brave new world, the sort of brave new world they're talking about here, that Huxley knew was coming in the 1930s. They were so far ahead then. And it continues... Gay men could follow suit by using the technique to make eggs for, from male bone marrow. So they're, they're trying to give you the quality stuff here. Researchers at Newcastle upon Tyne University say their technique will help lead to new treatments for infertility. Now, once again, the big battle cry for a hundred years has been, well actually since the 1700s in Malfus, has been, well there's too many commoners, but God, and if we help them, help them to extend their lives through, Medical treatment there'll be too many of them. So here they are again trying to tell you it's going to it's going to help infertile couples like they care, right? They really care about infertile couples. People are becoming infertile because they've been under attack through the sciences, by the sciences. Back with more of this after the following messages. Talking about the, the brave new world that's being created, while we all enjoy ourselves and play and become. creating a child which is both mother and father. And that smacks of the old, old ego, doesn't it, of the, the old Eden story where Eve wanted to have it all and be as God. Quite an interesting phenomenon. So similarly, a man can be both father and mother to a child created with his own sperm and a lab-grown egg. Such children would be at high risk of genetic abnormality. Well, that's only at the bottom level because as I say uh, this research is called research because the searching was done at a much higher level a long time ago that's why they could write such amazing stories like Brave New World and that's why Huxley uh, was a member of the Futurist Society and he knew all the top professors involved in these very covert operations that were going on and he worked at Tavistock Institute and his whole family lineage worked on the similar um, techniques of, of breaking down what makes a human human how to rebuild humanity you find it even in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein they didn't get these ideas out of nowhere the ones near the top who were let in on the know especially the propagandists who were meant to put stories out and familiarize us with ideas that were to come uh, they, they knew that the whole Project was to create perfect humans, but really perfect slaves. And that's what the whole Frankenstein story was about to try to create what he called a Superman, but a Superman really that would still be a servant to his creator, his human creator. And that's where we are in the world today of the so called research into a brave new world where they're going to obviously get rid of all those with defective genes. And that might mean that you're simply prone to certain allergies or asthma or whatever. And I knew that even when I was small, when they started talking about genetic research that was to come, I said, well, how now could they help the sick? It obviously is meant to detect those with what they call faulty genes in the womb and simply get rid of them. That's the only way you could get rid of them is to stop them from being born. And sure enough, that's what eugenics is all about. They want a healthy herd. And make no mistakes about it. Make no bones about it. We are the herd, as far as the elite are concerned. And this elite is a global elite. Always has been global. We're living in a world that is planned the way it is. And never mind all the incredible hype that's out there about greening and carbon dioxide, and how we're all breathing too much, and we're all using too much energy. We're using exactly the systems which the big fascist corporations have trained us to use with oil and electricity and all the rest of it, and yet these same fascist organizations are funding the Greens, who are now bashing us all for using it. Quite interesting Hegelian technique of controlling us. And most folk never really catch on to it. They're simply punch drunk between left and right, or up and down. We're fed the leftovers on the plate, and the meat has been scoffed by intelligence agencies. We get the filtered down stuff. All media today, all mainstream media, has been for a long, long time really run by intelligence agencies, and that's not news to people. It's even broke out in the same newspapers. as... Uh, about the CIA and MI6 uh, having their own people their own reporters implanted embedded within them and magazines too a lot of the magazines that you probably like uh, were started up by the CIA and MI6 in the, the 1950s 60s 70s and 80s they created the whole culture industry to create a reality for you and things that you would believe you would never question because it's all around you it's just repetition and have been very successful, very very successful in that. As I say, whatever they tell you, they're actually doing is generally another purpose that they're involved in. I can remember when the United Nations again had given out free tetanus shots to millions of African women and women in India, and then turned out within about a month, they all came down with massive inflammation of the ovaries, which sterilised them. And on the CBC Canada a little news blurb broke out when Mr. Mansbridge was doing his usual talk, and he didn't prepare us for this little shot. I don't think he knew himself it was coming, or maybe somebody slipped it in. It went straight to two men at a map of the world, and uh, a reporter asking them why they had the right, or thought they had the right to do what they did, and it transpired out of this strange conversation with these two indignant men who worked for the United Nations, that they were the ones who had authorized the the, this basic sterilization process of these women. And they were very indignant at being questioned about it. They said, well, someone has to do it. And you see, we're the last to know what's really going on. We're the last to ever know what's really going on. Most folk in the Western world um, have already been given shots uh, that have destroyed their immune systems. That's the majority of the population. Everybody has a vastly reduced immune system, compared to 1950. And, or as I say, the sperm count is down. We're three-quarters sterile in a matter of 50 years. Now, nothing happens in evolution to cause that, so what does cause it, you see? Generally, with, with, with uh, anything they test, they released on Africa first, the Ebola and so on. as tested out in Africa. And, uh, and then they can, uh, they can perfect it or, or adjust it in some way for it to be more effective in the future. Uh, it's a big testing ground. Africa always has been used by the big boys of the West. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. As that song goes, As You Were Sleeping, because most people truly are sleeping, in this fake world we live in this world of scientific control scientific indoctrination that's upgraded on a daily basis and those who are under the influence of the indoctrination don't even know what's what's happening They're, they're like children and that's what scientific socialism was designed to do to keep people in a perpetual state of childhood and to train them that there are experts remember what veteran Russell said he said we shall train the public uh, to only listen to experts and be unable to do anything on their own without the opinion of an expert and that's happened most people are perpetual children and that's why so many of the elderly today who also went through the same scientific indoctrination and through all the massive upheavals we've seen in society as the old system of families and so on were shattered. Uh, That's why the the elderly people today don't have much wisdom to pass on. Uh, They've sat for donkey's years watching the same TV programs getting zonked out and become zombified. And everyone in a socialist system is trained to believe that these people, these special people at the top, are somehow superior to themselves and they will deal all with the harsh problems of life while we at the bottom play ourselves definite play and perpetual play that's the Peter Pan syndrome that's been pushed in this day and age the future, certainly the way it's planned is murder because the future is planned by interbred, intermarried psychopaths many families of them who've controlled this world for an awful long time through commerce, industry, and banking, controlling whole countries, sometimes whole empires, with their massive power and their understanding of human nature, and helped by large armies of paid mercenaries. Nothing much changes. They don't really like conscription because they get ordinary people who are not so, you know psychopathic or immature having to get pushed into the ranks and they see what's going on they object to to useless slaughter when it's not necessary for the particular job at that time and they might bring back stories which would upset the public and not destroy that good pr image that's being created about our wonderful troops therefore they prefer peacetime armies or mercenary armies and mercenaries Uh, at one time were the lowest form uh, of life on the planet Uh, that's what the conquistadores were composed of were sent into uh, Latin America they were full time mercenaries adventurers as they called them who lived by plunder, rape and booty and had no mercy on anything even though they they was mercenary Uh, that's for their god Uh, the old patron saint was Mercury who is a patron saint saint of uh, soldiers, merchants, and thieves, because they're all combined together. nothing has changed. And we're living in this big fantasy fantasy world uh, with people being entertained into the graves as never before, where people on television, in their famous dramas, they come on every night with the same characters seem more like a family to them than anything that they have themselves in their own lives where neighbors like the Coronation Street uh, awful episode uh, that was heavily funded by the Tavistock a long time ago and still is uh, becomes more real than people in your real street and you get into the little affairs and dramas in life and they also prepare you of what's coming and how your actor is playing the roles adapt pretending that they're you then, when the real thing comes along, you behave the same way as you saw your actors adapt to the same problems. It's predictive programming, and it's worked very, very well. I got to laugh at these speeches we get given to us about how free we are, and the hullabaloo about being so safe. We're so wonderfully safe. I should preface this particular story by a quote from Bertrand Russell. Who knew the whole agenda? He worked his whole life on this agenda for his own class. And he wrote two styles of books. One was meant for the masses and for the NGOs that followed him and who would help push his agenda through. And another one, another set of books for his own particular aristocratic noble class. The latter are very, very expensive books, not meant to be read by commoners. He outlined the plans quite succinctly. And there was a book he called Marriage and Morals. And in chapter eighteen, the title is of that chapter is Eugenics. And it says here, this is what he says. He says, Religion has existed since before the dawn of history, while science has existed for at most four centuries. But when science has become old and venerable. It will control our lives as much as religion has ever done. I foresee the time when all who care for the freedom of the human spirit will have to rebel against a scientific tyranny. And here's the little adage at the end, though, that negates what I just told you. Nevertheless, if there is to be a tyranny, it is better that it should be scientific. And that really says it all, because we're, we're under it. So much so that Joe Average is a product of it their mind and what they think their perceptions the conglomeration of their perceptions all working together the, the fantasy world they live in is the outcome of it so as we tell we're, as we're freer and freer and freer as we watch guys with machine guns walk around subways and we're asked for ID cards and all the rest of it and we're told we're going to get a chip to be even more free uh, this is from the Daily Mail January two thousand and eight State spying that would make the Stasi proud by Edward Heathcote Emery, a triple barrel name, which they seem to love in England. When it was passed into law, the Regulation of Investigatory Powers Act, the IPA, sounded a pretty innocuous piece of legislation, but in truth it represented a significant victory for the Busybody State over our ancient liberties. Now, even I'm talking about Britain, remember, it, it's worldwide. It's the same system worldwide, same guys running it. Labour claimed it was responding to demands from civil liberty campaigners for more control over state snooping. But it soon became clear that the legislation which Jack Straw, then Home Secretary, was introducing would have the opposite effect, massively expanding the ability of the public sector to cry into private lives. The act, which has been quietly amended several times, very quietly, I'm sure, each time handing more powers to the public sector, supposedly, now gives an unprecedented range of state agencies the right to listen to our phone conversations, tap our mails, and open our post. That's your mail. That's your paper mail. In the last nine months of 2006, 960 new applications for the right to peer into the private lives of Britons were made every day. It's a level of government surveillance that would make even the Stasi which is the former East German secret police, renowned as the world's most effective intelligence agency, Proud. There are three different types of surveillance. The first, interception of communications. Listening in while people are on the phone or watching what we do on the Internet is the most difficult to justify. But the grounds for interception are so wide as to allow most requests to be approved. As well as the more predictable excuse of national security, They include safeguarding the economic well-being of the UK. See, they want to monitor all your purchases. That's where you're going cashless. The police, the security services and customs can all use this technique, but they need authorization from the Home Secretary herself or, in urgent cases, get temporary permission from one of her senior officials. The second type is surveillance, old-fashioned spying. The list of possible justifications for this is absurdly long, including to prevent and detect crime or prevent disorder, public safety, public health, to assess or collect any tax, duty, levy, or other charge payable to a government department. Just about any of us could be under surveillance using one of this list. Most worryingly, a long list of government agencies, including 474 councils, (laughs) can put us under the spotlight. Senior officials in each one can simply give the go-ahead and apply for a rubber stamp to be given later by the interception commissioner. You've got an interception commissioner. Doesn't it sound wonderful? There's something out of Star Trek. This commissioner, former Judge Sir Paul Kennedy, with a team of five inspectors, is supposed to check to make sure that all the bugging and spying waved through the, the Home Secretary or others has been justified. This report this week identifies more than 1,000 cases over nine months where he found that the rules had been broken. Well, gee whiz. This type of surveillance is the most common. Access to communications data includes discovering the identities of who we phone and which internet sites we visit. This information is even easier for public authorities to obtain with relatively junior officials able to authorize it. Later, as in the case of surveillance, justification for needing this information is considered by overworked bureaucrats Accountable to the interception commissioner. By the time his staff gets around to looking at the paperwork, the trading standards officers down at Town Hall, for example, may have been peering at your phone and internet records for more than a year. <laughs> There's a tribunal to which you can complain, but since virtually no one under surveillance will know they're being watched, the tribunal isn't very busy. <laughs> And it's virtually never found in favor of a complainant. Well, that's right, there are no complaints departments. How did the government get away with this? Well, the Lords, that's how the British Senate, the Lords did make a fuss at the time. Tory peer Lord Northesk said it sanctioned mass domestic surveillance measures. So there you go. I mean, this is what's happening in Britain and all the British Commonwealth countries, all the way to Australia and New Zealand and Canada. But it's also happening in the states because you see the mi6 is completely integrated with the cia and has been for an awful awful long time in fact the british system set up the cia uh, that's the basic facts do your homework in your history as uh, well documented uh, we're under a totalitarian world regime planned that way it took years to plan it long before 9 11 and if you go into the old newspaper records like the Toronto Sun or Star, you'll find that in the mid-90s uh, it was made law that all communications devices, phones, faxes, everything, had to have chips installed within them which would allow certain government agencies the right to access those, including your computer. Mid-90s, long before 9-11 happened. And 9-11 was just uh, the big push for the whole works. That's what that was. Alan Watts, back running through the matrix. and Springs didn't see it all because this whole agenda, this new world order agenda, simply can't go on. If it does, that's the end of humanity as we know it in every respect, genetically, mentally, physically, everything. Everything is to be altered in the brave new world where the gods have decided a long time ago they were going to rebuild everything in their own image, and that everything that was built already was simply imperfectly made. And so the big builders that they are, and the big architects that they are, uh, they'd redo it all, the way they, and, and, and fix all the defects in nature. And they're well on their way. All they have to do is convince the public that it's in their best interests. And that's beautiful, really, because the big shepherds at the top are the wolves in sheep's clothing, And their job is to convince the sheep that the direction of the shepherds and the sheep lay in the same direction. Works very well, doesn't it? And we're talking to Paul from Niagara Falls area. Hello, Paul. You still there? Yeah. How you doing, Alan? Not so bad. Big fan.
3: Hey, a quick uh, chemtrail update. It's over my brother's a couple weeks ago. He's half awake. I've talked with him about chemtrails, and he's seen them. And uh, he went over there, and he goes, he's all excited. he watched the show, and he'd figured it out. It was a uh, PBS NOVA program. Yeah. NOVA, the science program they have. Uh-huh. And uh, the scientists had told him uh, that it was from pollution from China. <laughs> 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 why these chemtrails were happening. Yes. And it was... So that's what they're that's what they're pushing. I went up to their website, tried to find the show, but I I couldn't find it. No. He was all excited about it, and I just shook my head, you know. Watches too much TV. Well, if it's on TV, it must be true. Yeah, must
2: be. Must be. It's got that's a big the, one, too. Uh, like the, I guess the bigger the TV, the the more truer it must be too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you get a different story on a cheaper version. <laughs> Yeah, it could be. You never know, right? Yeah, well, I do. That's... I do know that anyone who uh, writes or complains to the, the military in any country now is getting the same standard response, where they they, they tell you you're mistaken. It's condensation trails. Then they go into the the, the little primary school, uh, little grade school method of telling you what a condensation trail is and how it's formed, etc. Uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But those with memory can remember what condensation trails were like, and they well, the atmosphere bit. is different now because of Chinese yeah. pollution. Oh, it's Chinese pollution. Oh, yeah, it's just a, an awful mess. And I guess that's Chinese planes that are coming over here spraying us too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Must maybe they are. Maybe they're built in China, made in China, which means they might not last long. There could be hope there yet. Yeah. Hey, uh, people, is this nine eleven supposed to come out? This oh, yeah. Plane? Oh, absolutely. It's meant to come out. It was a world performance. Uh, that's why it was done in such a dramatic form, and they picked those particular towers, the Jachan and Boa, as the old man and woman of the old uh, system, and they'll bring out the new one, much bigger, better, uh, and maybe. Oh, but be... I
3: mean, the, the idea that
2: they did it, is that it's supposed to come out? Um, I, I think they're not really caring about that. Because, again, see, if you, if you follow history and especially military strategy, And this is taught in all higher military schools for officer training. Uh, They tell you that no matter what excuse they use to start a war for an agenda, um, once once the, the, the public clue in that there is lies told and propaganda given to them or whatever, complete deception, it doesn't matter because by then they're already in the countries that they plan to invade. That's a standard technique. And so no future government, regardless if it's an opposition government, will then pull the troops out of that country because they'll claim it will, will destabilize them. So they don't they, they don't care that the truth eventually comes out, to be honest with you. Hmm. It, it's fulfilled its objective.
3: So far, oh, yeah. there's a backlash
2: against this. You know, there's a lot of people waking up because of people like you. Yes, and, and it's the backlashes that they're, they're trying to prepare... Uh, and they have even before they brought down or or created 9-11 they've been building internal armies and security forces all to do with what happens as they steamroll ahead after the event the the most important things that are happening are happening after the event because the event was necessary to bring in a a global society under a total surveillance system for every individual that was the main purpose of this whole agenda of 9-11 But so so they're they're ready for the backlash, you know.
3: With you and all these movies, I mean, people are
2: people are up in arms. So it's you know, good percentage of people waking up. Uh, They better wake up and not just not just get stuck on the event itself. Take it for granted. Once you understand that you take it for granted, that was the the detonation point for this whole agenda. But they've got to start realizing as they're, they're looking at the past all the time. They've got to realize they're losing their freedoms on a daily basis. And even if one day the elite were to stand up and say, yeah, we took down the whole thing, we planned 9-11, by that time you have no rights left, no freedoms anyway. So you've got to fight everything that's happening. Uh, It's like a war going on in a battlefield. The general doesn't stop to see the casualties over to his left or his right. He, He looks on the main part where they have to go next. And that's what we have to do as well, because we're losing everything in the process after 9-11. But 9-11 is a good starting point to at least understand this was planned. And and what is the plan? It's not just the bringing down of buildings, the declaring of martial law. It's you bring in a pre-planned scientific uh, surveillance system on every individual on the planet. We have to fight all of it. That's what we have to fight.
3: Well, I want to tell everybody it's a very good move to turn off that TV...
2: Yes, it is. It's, it's an incredible tool. It's the best tool they ever came up with. And uh, look at the speed of the dumbing down process. In fact, since they gave us television, it literally has destroyed conversation, not just between neighbors and people, but between uh, families themselves. Yeah, best thing anybody can do for themselves is turn off that boob tube. Yes. Don't yeah.
3: even watch it for the news. I, You know, I watch the weather before I go to work.
2: That's about it. Yes. Well, you you know, know, in Britain and in other countries, too, the same with the U.S., when they started bringing television sets into bars and taverns, uh, that was mandated from the top in Britain because the the pubs in Britain and the British Commonwealth countries used to be where the public met and that's where all the debating went on was in these places all conversations all exchange of information went on and they brought the television in to destroy uh, people talking to each other and passing on information back with more after these messages I'm on watch and this is the matrix there's a caller from uh, a caller on the line they're talking about very pertinent stuff to do with TV, chemtrails, and all the rest of it, and I will be putting up a link on a British organization that's put in a complaint to the British government on the chemical spraying, and it's put out by Dr. Andrew Johnson, so I'll put a link up on my today's uh, show, along with the site, you can look into all the people who are involved in this organization, at least that's the start of it, when people are Really inquiring people with credentials and functioning brains are got together. Questions really, really going on. And now we'll go on uh, to Dan from Kentucky. Are you there, Dan? Yeah, to Thank you for your work and
3: your books and everything that we have. And I was wondering, sometimes you can really tick off a psychopath at a meeting we ask questions about chemtrails when the city brought over some Tibetans on one of these frou-frou new aids get everybody together things and half the people left and uh, legislative meetings parliamentary procedures sometimes you can really expose them and it really tears a rift in the police system and then you know i was wondering what you would think about follow-up i try to ask a question like you know Frame it like, you know, how they're trying to do people in, but people's survival instinct is so low. Do you yeah. have any suggestions for once in a while when when you make a tear in people's belief systems like that, how, how to follow yeah.
2: through? And I'll take it off the air, please. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you've got to go, you've got to then literally appeal to the reason of the humanity itself. You're going beyond beliefs into what affects them all as people, as caring, functioning people. In fact, you have to bring it up and actually ask them, are they really caring at all? And do they care just about themselves and their own little space and their blip, this little blip of life that they have? Or if they're truly caring, should we be caring about the next generation and the next and the next? And should also care to all those that went before and did their share of suffering to to bring them to to, to the state that they're in today. They should really look at all their ancestry, all those who've gone before, uh, who've suffered so that they could live. And if they're so selfish with their own little world where everything revolves around them, it's the end of it. I don't think that that was in the minds of our predecessors or our ancestors. I used to like the American Indians way where whenever they changed anything to do with a forest or whatever, they would sit and debate it and, and ask, would this affect people even five generations down the road? That's when you're in touch with things, in tune with things, in tune with the flow of life. People today have been cut off from, from the past and they, they don't care about the future. they have been taught to be egocentric, So you must bypass that and appeal to their humanity and you, you do it through reason. and and bring out the compassion that's lying latent within them. It's the only way to get through to them. Now, I I think we'll go to Jeff from Iowa. Are you there, Jeff?
4: Yes, I am. Hello, Alan. How are you doing? Not so bad, yeah. Good. Just a a couple of things real quick. I couldn't find the book. I don't know where I put it, but in in Joxy Lowell's book, he mentioned chemical and biological a few times, but there's there's always a paragraph somewhere in his book that just floors you, and he specifically goes into a few things, and he mentions chemical, biological, he mentions lobotomies, and then he mentions specifically a thalamotomy, so mm-hmm. I looked up the thalamus, and it's kind of like a communication node between certain areas of the brain, Yeah. the way I understand it, so yeah. it kind of appears like instead of destroying huge areas of the brain, they just cut a few of the
2: telephone line so to speak that's pretty well it yeah, the thalamus the, 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 the hypothalamus the mid, mid, brain, the pons, Barola and so on and, and these they understand all of this perfectly you see they've been they've been, they've been probing people's brains for donkeys years a hundred years even from the Tavistock institute onwards and and they know every part of that brain and then other guys um we're working for the United Nations on ways to lobotomize specific parts of that brain by using chemical lobotomies or using bacterial or viral lobotomies. And that brings to mind the whole idea with inoculation because it goes right to the baby's brain. That's where the inflammation is, is in the head. And wherever you get inflammation, you have cells dying off. That's, that's standard in all inflammation and it's lowering the iq this is done deliberately and i have no doubt about that whatsoever you don't want an intelligent public uh existing when you're taking them through the biggest change to their detriment you don't want that happening so you must dumb them down in the process and we have been under attack for about a hundred years with various methods all targeting our brains yeah yeah
4: it's amazing when you look into food additives and the sweeteners and just all of those things. You do find a common thread, most of them. Yeah. And I don't know how they found things that attack all three areas, but a lot of them do. They attack the brain, the the uh, reproductive system, yeah. and the immune system. It's a very common thread in all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. once you dig into that, it's kind of amazing that there's not bodies all over the street
2: as much of this stuff as you're getting pumped into you. That's right but what we do have though, is, is, is an, incre- an incredibly sick society, physically sick like never before, with no energy, um, a whole host of problems that used to be termed aging problems, and now you have juvenile arthritis, for instance, and stuff like this, which is affecting uh, uh, so many people is becoming common. And autism there's a big blitz now with the big drug companies to put out counter propaganda to tell you that mercury is all right and the vaccines are having no effect. It's a propaganda yeah, war. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and I even I even asked my doctor, and he said, no, mercury's no problem in vaccines, and I'm like, good
2: grief. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, no, thanks, thanks for calling. Thanks for it's calling. It's but yeah, even even Bertrand Russell talked about the use of. Of ways of dumbing them down, even in the Soviet Union he was referring to where they would use the needle, as he called it, to attack the brain. Well, it wasn't just in the Soviet Union, this was being done uh, all across the Western world, and if we go into the the health of the public uh, with crippling diseases, etc., that hit us, especially from the 50s onwards, it's astronomical, it's astounding. I don't think there's anybody today who doesn't have allergies, for instance. Uh, Allergies and various forms of arthritis, early arthritis, that sets in. And these are autoimmune problems. When you have arthritis, especially the rheumatic type arthritis, something has been introduced into your body, which then is attacking your joints. And they claim to to say that they don't know what it is, except your own white uh, blood uh, 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 cells. Are uh, the leukocytes are attacking something, or appear to be attacking something, and they claim there's nothing there, it's just your white count gone crazy, gone haywire, it's at war with, uh, with everything, and there's no reason for it to be, well your system doesn't go at war with things unless there's something in it to go to war with, and that's the basic truth of it all and we had been under attack. The whole idea with some of the third-world countries was to bring them down quickly in population reduction because they were too poor, no one cares about them, they have no voice, no power to stand up and get noticed. But with the West, they'd have to take it down slowly because people would catch on that there was something vastly wrong and they would have counter um, uh, groups starting up to fight this. And so they said they'd have to be very very careful and covert about it and bring us down with crippling diseases uh, more so than than just sudden lethal diseases. And that's why you had the the chronic uh, fatigue syndromes, uh, Epstein-Barr virus, all these different things all came out at the same time. And sure enough, uh, people don't get married. They're they're poor partners for marriage if they're living with constant fatigue and they can hardly move. And that push you out of the of action, out of the race for reproduction. That's all done deliberately. And then if you take all the, the venereal diseases that were spread, and introduced, and it is sterilizing, it's namely women attacking their ovaries. Nothing happens by chance. So from Hamish and myself up in Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.